So friends, we are back in the Old Testament this evening. Surprise there. Uh, Last week we heard from the prophet Hosea, who was prophesying primarily in the northern kingdom of Israel. And this week we'll be hearing from Isaiah, who was prophesying at around the same time in the southern kingdom of Judah. Last week, if you remember, I invited us all to sit with the scripture and see what emotion rose in us. And I'm going to ask us to do something similar tonight. Please, as you're hearing the scripture, pay attention to your emotions, but also think about a word or phrase that sticks out to you. Your scripture should be on your bulletin, so if it's helpful to read along and let your eyes catch on something that sticks to you, I'd love to hear what God is speaking to you in this moment. And it's just an awesome way that we can listen to the scripture differently together in this unique space. This is fun. (laughs) Um, So... Let's take a moment to breathe deep and listen to the rainfall, and then I will read the scripture from Isaiah chapter 1, verses 10 through 20, and you can follow along in your bulletin. So let's sit and listen to the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, Who asked this from your hand? Trample my courts no more, bringing sacrifices and offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Wash, your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove your evil deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Come now, let us argue it out, says the Lord. If your sins are like scarlet, will they become like snow? If they are red like crimson, will they become like wool? If you are willing and obedient, You shall eat the good of the land, but if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. My friends, this is the word of God given to us as the children of God, and we all say together, thanks be to God. 
All right, friends. What emotion did you hear? What word or phrase captured your attention? Remember, if you're online, you can always post in the comments. We would still love to hear from you and love for you to participate. What you got for me? Yes. So friends online, she said, just the opening, hear the word of the Lord, and then whatever follows, you really should listen to it. Thank you, Jill. Yes, Kim, Burley. Learn to do good. It's not something that's natural. It's something that's cultivated. Thank you. Yes, Millie. She said, mm. So she said, verse 13, bringing offerings is futile. All God wants is us. Amen. Let's take one more. 19 through 20. Thank you, Caleb. Yes, all of these are good and holy. Once again, through the prophetic words of Isaiah, we encounter a God who seems frustrated and aggravated with the people of Israel and Judah. Do we not? Do you hear that in the text? In this text, we hear God saying things like, I cannot endure your assemblies, your festivals my soul hates. I will hide my eyes. I will not listen. It's almost like God is dusting off his hands and saying, I'm done. It all means nothing to me. And if you're like me, you're wondering, who is this God? This is not the God that I have come to know through Jesus. Who are we encountering here? Biblical scholars have come to see this first chapter of Isaiah as an introduction or an overview of sorts to the whole book of Isaiah in its entirety. This chapter seems to summarize and interpret the greater story that the Isaiah prophet literature is telling us. And as someone who reads a lot, every good story, or maybe should I say every story that I would choose to read again and again, has an engaging plot with a soul-gripping Conflict, a climax where the hero is on the brink of something big, and a happy ending with a redeeming, redemption ending, where all that is broken is made right. So in this greater story of Isaiah that we are catching a glimpse of here in this first chapter, my question is, what's the good news of Isaiah's story if this is the glimpse into it that we receive. How might God be speaking to and inviting Israel to something greater, even in the midst of his frustration and anger that we experience here in this first part of the text? 
I think that part of the answer can be found within these words that we were given, that we listened to just moments ago, and within its greater context. What is going on in the life of these people? You see, at the time of this prophecy, the community and religious life of ancient Israel revolved around the temple in Jerusalem. It was the literal house of God where they believed that God actually resided. So part of their worship practice was to ready themselves both physically and spiritually to enter into God's presence. So they bathed, they dressed in their Sabbath best, and offered a multitude of offerings to cleanse their spirits and atone for the sins that they might have committed during that week. Any of this sound familiar, my friends? And if you were to read the book of Leviticus, you would find a listing of the appropriate animal and the type of offering, either burnt or blood, for a particular offense. Another aspect of ancient Israel's worship practices was regular festivals and celebrations to mark different seasons of the calendar year. Our text from Isaiah this evening specifically mentions something called a moon, uh, new moon festival. And they had all of these celebrations because they believed that life in its entirety should be celebrated. And from personal experience, that value has not dissipated over time. My older sister, who is still practicing in the Jewish faith, whenever I go up to visit her, we go to a celebration together. And they seem to happen all the time. And my friends, let me tell you, our siblings know how to party. It is a joyous, joyous time of celebration and gathering, singing and dancing. It's lots of fun, and it's a beautiful expression of worship. This was how the ancient Israel people went to church. It was how they expressed their love and their adoration to God. But I wonder if it became rote. I wonder if it became routine and cyclical so that they developed almost a tunnel vision. They went to wash in the wash pools and maybe didn't notice the beggar, beggar that was on the mat without the, the physical ability to lower himself in the water to wash, to ready himself for time with God in the temple. I wonder if they walked by the front gates of that temple with their offerings at the ready and didn't take notice of the woman who is asking for money to acquire the appropriate offerings for herself. Maybe they bowed their head, chanted, and danced to lively music as those who were sick and poor, widowed, or orphaned peered in from the outside wondering if God cared for them also. It all means nothing. They are missing the point, God says through the prophet Isaiah. Or at least that's what it sounds like when Isaiah says, when you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes 
Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. It all means nothing. My friends, what if the point of Christian practice, what if the point of our spirituality as Christians is not just about what happens right here or even what happens over in the worship center on Sunday mornings? What if it's not only about the community that gathers, the prayers that are prayed, the beautiful music that is sung, the tithes given, or even the communion that we receive? What if there is more to this story, more that God is calling the Israelites to, and more that God is calling us to? The question of is, this, is there more, I think, is a question that a lot of us have, and it's definitely a question that the Sirens Motorcycle Club was grappling with in 2016. Yes, I did say the Motorcycle Club. And hear me out. This is a different kind of motorcycle club. You see, the Sirens is an all-female, LGBTQ-affirming motorcycle club based out in New York City. It was founded in 1986 and is the oldest club of its kind in the city. Historically, motorcycle clubs only allowed women to be property members belonging to one of the male members. So this club is unique in that it creates a community for women of all shapes, all sizes, all um, walks of life with, quote, a love of horsepower and two wheels. These regularly, women regularly came together to ride around the state doing something that they loved and enjoyed doing and having fun with women who shared their very same passion. They found community in gathering together and riding around. In their promotional video on their website, one of the leaders of this club said, there's something about riding at the back of the pack and looking ahead to the 15 or 20 women all wearing the same patch. It's like going to church, she said. It's a beautiful, spiritual, emotional experience where we are all in this together. Did you hear it? She said it was like going to church. How cool is that? In a way that doesn't look like church, but yet they were gathered together. And where two or more are gathered, my friends, something beautiful happens. But in 2016, they were looking for something more. They realized that it all meant nothing. All the writing, the shared passion, the experience, it all meant nothing if they were not helping others in the community that they called home. So what did they do? They partnered with the New York Milk Bank to hand-deliver breast milk to moms and babies in need all over the state of New York. Friends, this seems like such a small and trivial thing for a club to do. 
However, I know firsthand that right now, we are still in the midst of a formula shortage where babies uh, who are struggling and need food cannot find food through formula. They have to find it through breast milk. And in preparing for our time together this evening, I found a video about this motorcycle club. And in that video, there was a mother who was interviewed who received a regular milk delivery from the Sirens Motorcycle Club on a regular basis. You see, her daughter was very premature, and she spent over 100 days in the NICU. But during that time, the mother was so stressed out that her natural milk supply had dried up. But the doctor said that her baby had to be on breast milk. She could not be on formula for the sake of her health. It had to be breast milk. So in talking about the sirens' milk delivery, she said that the sound of those motorcycles was the sound of hope. The sound of the motorcycles was the sound of hope. The Sirens Motorcycle Club, Motorcycle Club, brought the sound of hope all because they looked and wanted to do more than simply just go to church. They wanted more. And they got it. The sirens, even though they were not a religious organization, understood the assignment that God had tasked the Israelites with long ago and the one that God tasks us with today. It all means nothing. It all means nothing if we are not doing good and seeking justice outside of these walls. Friends, this is who we are called to be as Christ followers, specifically Christ followers who are called Methodists, if, for those of us who have been going to church on Sunday mornings and have heard Steve and Catherine say, John Wesley taught us that a complete Christian has a well-rounded spirituality. The Christian experience includes not only caring for our own souls through worship and through study and through prayer, but they serve the needs of others in their community. It's about loving God through worship and loving others through service. It's a both and not an either or. And guys, I know this isn't news to you. In just a few short weeks of my time here at Trinity, I have seen the evidence of how this congregation as a whole is active in almost every aspect of ministry outside this campus I could think of. Your Sunday morning bulletins, our Sunday morning bulletins, are chocked full of ways that we are in service to others. You, the congregation of 635, brought school supplies over the past month 
and are missionally minded, and we will be putting those supplies together in just a few short minutes. So yes, we are doing incredible ministry already, but my question for us to ponder together over the next several weeks and months and even years is what might God be calling us to do together next? How might God be nudging us to continue to be missionally focused in these next few weeks? I don't know where the Spirit of God is going to blow us next. There are so many opportunities, so many people in need. But I can't wait to find out what that might be as we discover the Spirit's blowing together. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we all say together, Amen. Will you pray with me? God of grace and God of glory, we thank you that your spirit is always moving. Your spirit is always blowing and calling us to greater and deeper places of an experience with you. God, we ask that you breathe new life into us so that we might see where you are going and follow you there. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.